Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bobby, before we jump into this episode of all things recapping what has happened in, in uh, the Northwest, in the Midwest, in the East Coast over the last week, which has been nothing short than amazing, frustrating, difficult, incredible. Um, what other words do we want to use to describe uh, all out madness? Mm-hmm. Devastating, devastating, joyful, because um, we're 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 seeing both sides of the story play out, and a lot of it's good, and a lot of it's not good, but that's what tells the story, and so we will get into that. But Bonnie, what a difference a week has made when we sat down and talked on this show last week. I had snow, sleet, and freezing rain over five and a half inches, you guys were starting to dig out from one storm and yet had another one right on its heels. So let's just recap what's happened in Oklahoma City and Portland in a week, and then we'll jump into the fiasco that is Texas and everything else going on. Well, I'll tell you here, this this last week was our coldest week. Like I know the week before when it was pretty dry everywhere. It was still really cold. But then this last week is when it got super cold and we had the snow last Sunday. Um, I'm trying to think how much snow we got that day. The thing is with that first snowstorm last Sunday, I couldn't measure anything because the drifting was insane. There was parts of my backyard where you could see the grass and there was parts of my backyard where it looked like there was two feet of snow. So it was just, it was a really dry snow. It was windy last Sunday. And so it just, it it was crazy. And poor little Clyde was up to his armpits in snow. Literally. He had a hard time. I'm bummed. Um, what? I don't like knowing that my buddy is uh, is struggling through the snow. Well, and he was supposed to get his hair cut too last Saturday. And I canceled it because I was like, it's going to be really cold and snowy. And I want him to have more fur than less fur. So at least he's really well insulated. He just looks like a mess. He looks like what you pull out of the dryer, you know, poor guy. Oh, but, poor Clyde. Yeah. He's, he's a mess little baby. Um, but we got, I don't know, six or seven inches last Sunday. And then we got an additional like four or five Tuesday into Wednesday. So we, we really, it was a pretty decent snow. It wasn't quite the 16 inches that, you know, models were showing and stuff, but it was still a lot of snow and we were all snowed into our driveways. Um, I mean, it was, it was beautiful. Honestly, the snow was just amazing. I really enjoyed the snow aspect of it. Well, that was a, you know, pretty historic storm for you guys in terms of temperature. I think you guys spent somewhere on the magnitude of like 300 some hours below freezing. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say it was Tuesday morning. It might have been Wednesday morning. We got all the way down to negative 14 degrees temperature, not wind chill temperature. Right. Which for you guys is extremely rare. I have had all of my 
sink cabinets open for the last two weeks. Like just last night did I feel like, okay, I can close these because I just did not want any busted anything in my house. So luckily nothing happened. Good. And that, and that's smart. You did the right thing. Um, so you guys have the historic event. We had one out here in the Pacific Northwest. Again, like I said, last Sunday when we were talking, five and a half inches of rain, or sorry, of snow, sleet, and freezing rain had accumulated in my place in Beaverton, which is just to the southwest of Portland. Um, areas to my south were under an ice storm warning, and at that time we weren't sure how bad it was going to be. Um, I had some light glazing on my car when I was getting ready for work. You know, We had talked about that on the show. I was able to drive to work relatively issue free for the most part but by the time that i got to work we had already had this ice storm start to take shape in parts of the south uh, metro area and bonnie let me just tell you you know the model forecast said that we could see anywhere from a tenth of an inch to maybe an inch and a half of icing depending on depending on if the conditions were perfect and not only were they perfect they superseded this we had so much ice in our South Metro that, you know, we had trees that were 500-year trees started to come down. We had branches start to fall on power lines, and we were watching the power outages go from, like, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 in the span of minutes. Jeez, I, I saw a couple of pictures of power lines, and the ice around those power lines was an insane amount of ice. It is. Like it was thicker than the line itself. How it, much power, how much ice was on the power line. Right. It was. And there's a community, um, just to my, uh, Southeast called Lake Oswego and they, you know, got hit hard places like Oregon city were hit extremely hard. Wilsonville, um, down through like towards Salem and people were losing power and, you know, crews are trying to come in and fix stuff and they'd repair something. And then, there'd be another little quick glazing of ice and another tree would fall and take down what they just put up. And so a lot of the power crews were like, okay, we're going to try and work in areas where it's not so bad right now. And then we'll eventually get into the areas that are, and you got to start to see stories the next morning on, you know, Monday morning, Tuesday morning of, oh, uh, you know, Joe Blow decided to go over to home Depot, rent a chainsaw and started cutting down trees so we could open roads back up. Because, you know, we'd had large swathes of road that had to be closed. And it was just, it was really fascinating to watch us. We're now, you know, seven days through an event. Some places down in our mid-valley have been without power now 10 days. Places in our metro area are still without power going on seven days. Tomorrow will be eight. They slowly are getting there. Portland General Electric has done a, a pretty decent job of getting stuff back online. But we're also starting to see homes that are a little bit older where, you know, the power goes out and then the power is restored, but it trips a breaker and say half the house, half the house is working. So I know I've yeah. had multiple friends were like, you know, we've blown fuses and there's nothing we can do about it. So the power company has to come in and actually replace the fuse or you have to hire a little electrician to come in and do that. So just that aspect of it was incredible. The. Portland International Airport and the National Weather Service Portland office ends up recording somewhere just about 10 inches of snow. Uh, the models did a fantastic job, especially the high-resolution models out here in the Northwest did a great job with us. But again, we talked about on the show last Saturday and Sunday that you know places north of the Columbia River like Vancouver, Washington would most likely be the big winner with snow, and they did. 
10, 11, 12, 14, 16 inches of snow in, in February. And I mean, it was just looking back on it. I'm just like, okay. And we've already had the talk now among our AMS group that we always do a winter weather recap in March. But because of the historic nature of the storm, we're probably going to have to do a separate meeting just on this one storm because of, you know, of what happened. So, you know, uh, it looks like and again, the numbers aren't completely in yet, but this could go down as the most historic power outage event in in the Portland area. And we're talking stuff. We've had major windstorms like December 12th, 1995, where 350,000 people lost power for a week. We had the Columbus Day storm where we had hurricane force sustained winds in downtown Portland. Again, not as many people lived here, but significant amount of power outages for weeks. So just based on a dollar cost average, this could be the most costly storm we've ever seen in terms of winter weather. So now we're just waiting for those numbers to be compiled. But uh, it will go down in history as one of those ones that we definitely will not forget. I feel like this whole storm pretty much nationwide is going to go down as the most historic, expensive, costly event because everywhere, I mean, not everywhere, everywhere, but a large majority of the country has had devastating impacts because of this, whether it's power lines because of ice storms or devastating cold or tornadoes. Like this whole freaking event was insane. And people keep comparing it to 2011 which is the last time like Oklahoma and Texas got close to this cold. And that was a very active, uh, not to kind of like change the subject a little bit, but that was a very active spring following that. Sure. And I know one season doesn't predict the next, but, but does it slash 2021? I mean, <laughs> this is kind of what we live in right now is like historic situations. So I'm just saying we should pro- probably, keep on our toes and stay aware and start preparing for the spring. Right. Not if, to get off on a tangent, but no, I'm just saying. No, you're right. And I think that we, you know, we need to talk about that too, because we want to be prepared. You know, we talked about gosh, you know, even two weeks ago saying, Hey, you know, this is what the forecast looks like. This is what models are indicating. Just be prepared, you know, make sure that you have extra food, water, blankets, shelter lined up if you need to. And again, this is, this is very much a one in a say decade storm, right? Or once in a decade event that should not take any pause away from being prepared. You know, the national weather service, you and I, and this show were member of the weather ready nation ambassadors. It's our job to help promote being weather aware. And you have to make sure that you are aware of what's happening because even though it could be a day where it's say, you know, you mentioned storm seasons coming up. Yeah. Chase season's right around the corner, Bonnie. Uh, you guys could be in a, you know, slight risk or even just a generic risk. You should be prepared anyways. Yeah. You know, you should be. And the, the sad thing about this winter, event that we just had is like you said once in a decade kind of thing and southern states homes are not built for that kind of cold right. because it doesn't happen very often that cold does not plunge that far south very often or stay around for that long like we might get a cold snap for a day and then it goes away but you know six seven eight days of well below freezing temperatures right 
is just something that we're not used to. And so people, it's sad because people could only do what they could do, but they can't change the structure of their house. They can't change the infrastructure of their power system, you know? And so it's, it's really just sad. And even if it's not a very regular occurrence, everything should still be prepared to be able to handle that when it does happen. Right. Hopefully this is a wake up call. it, It totally is. And again, you know, the people of Texas, and we will definitely jump into that here in a few minutes, but, you have to remember these guys in theory should be prepared for certain weather events, right? Tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, drought. Those are your big four, you know, and I'm gonna, I'll throw a wind in there as well as kind of a, as a, like a for it, you know, asterisk, but yeah, that's what, you know, that's what their buildings are designed for. They're designed to, in, you know, withstand high impact winds. They're designed to, you know, <laughs> deal with events that aren't necessarily cold. And we'll get to that aspect here in a second, but you know, we just want people to be prepared. And I think some people were obviously some people weren't again, it's just getting the word out there, right? It's how do you consume this? There's a whole, you know, giant discussion going on on whether Twitter and other places among emergency managers, how do we continue to relay information just because it's out there does not mean people are consuming it. Yeah. You know, we, we have a podcast here, right? We put together a very entertaining and informative show every weekend doesn't mean people know it's existing. You know, we promote it the best we can. We promote it through other shows and our friends, but you know, what do you want to do going forward? So, well, and the big thing is most, most people, not everybody, but a lot of people watch TV through streaming services and there's no weather forecast or break-ins or anything. And so if they're not really on social media that much, or they don't follow news outlets or, national weather service and that kind of thing, then they're not, people aren't going to really know. So it's just going to be, it's something that still is being worked on. And I know we touch on this a lot throughout our show, but it's, it's where the reality we live in that we've got to try to figure out how to get into the streaming services to give weather updates. It is true. It is 100% true. How do we, you know, either use a local cable system that is providing the internet to, provide watches and warnings while somebody is streaming or do we have to rely on the fact that they should have a cell phone with them we hope they'd have a cell phone or weather radio that can receive the alerts but again we can do everything that we can but you still have to have the ability one to receive it and two to understand it yeah exactly it's it's definitely like a two-way street so i don't know hopefully this really showed people what can happen and to not get complacent and be like, Oh, we can handle our typical weather that we always get. And they don't think that something could be way out of the norm or way more devastating than what typically happens. You know, totally one. You you are exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, but again, just looking back over the last week to see the changes and rebound. And let's talk about this now. I mean, Bonnie, I'm sitting right now uh, looking out the window. It's 48 degrees. The high today will be 52. We weren't cracking freezing last Sunday. And if we were, it's going to be 33. Um, You know, that's a 20 degree difference. And there's still some snow in shady spots and places where they've piled it up after plowing. But besides all the down trees, you would not know anything happened. I mean, that's us here too. Like other than the snow piles from plowing, everything's pretty much melted except a few shady spots where maybe there were some higher drifts of snow. But yeah, it's, 
I mean, yesterday it was like 41 degrees and I was, I went to the store and I was like, man, it, this is a nice day. If it was, we were coming off the summer and it was 41 degrees outside, I would have been like, it's freaking freezing out here. Right. So it's so crazy just how, just how different the same temperature can make you feel. But it felt like a super nice day yesterday. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, it's funny. I was out running some errands yesterday afternoon trying to get some stuff done. I was in the hospital again this week. I'm, I'm doing much better. Uh, doctors have a good handle on what's going on. I've got a handle on what's going on. So... Uh, it was a precautionary stay and, you know, I'm glad I was able to enjoy my snow event with everybody. And then, you know, I could recover two days in the hospital and, you know, just stare out the window and watch them plow the top of the parking garage. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> with that said, <laughs> um, you know, I was out running errands yesterday and I walked to the car out front of the condo and the sun was out shining and kind of hit me in the face and it went from like mid 40s on my face to about 75 and I was like oh my gosh this feels so good right now it's so insane I mean it makes sense like going from you know negative 14 degrees outside and going to 41 like of course that's gonna feel warm it's just it's just so crazy how we were miserable at the beginning of the week and now it's like oh what a nice day it is out here (laughs) it's true and I was like you know, I, I want the winter weather. I would love to see another shot of it. And models kind of hint it. Maybe it could come back in, you know, a week. We'll see. It. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. But I was like, you know, I, I'm ready for spring. And I'm ready for chase season. I'm ready for warmer temperatures. I'm ready to be able to go play golf on my days off. I'm ready to enjoy being outside. But I also still want snow. So I've officially hit that part of the of the year where I'm very conflicted of what I want. Yes, yes. And, you know, we talk about this every season transition, like in the summer. I'm so sick of the heat. I'm ready for the winter. And in the winter, I'm so sick of the cold. I'm ready for the spring. But I also want the snow. That's, you know what? That's meteorologists, okay? We love the weather, but we also like it when it changes. (laughs) Absolutely. And we love forecasting the ability to change it. But speaking of changing forecasts and the ability to change things, let's talk about Texas. Because, you know, I wanted to get a really good handle of what was happening in the Lone Star State. And I use that phrase Lone Star State for a very poignant reason. Texas goes at it by themselves. And I know that, you know, people joke about Texas is their own country. Texas is their own state of mind and blah, blah, blah. I get it. I've spent time in Texas. I understand it. So when doing, you know, prep for the show this week, I reached out to one of our followers on Twitter and a guy that I know from the Pacific Northwest, um, he's your local neighbor, family, neighborhood uh, emergency manager. And I'm going to try and pull up his name real quick. All right. Here it is. I just found it. Here it is. So he, he, on on Twitter, it's at ready underscore Northwest. And he's I'm a disaster manager. So um, really nice guy. I follow him. We follow him on the show. He follows us back. But I wanted to reach out to him real quick and just kind of get his sense as an emergency manager, the take on what happened with Texas. And basically it boils down to this. And we had taught, we had just said this in in the show a little bit earlier, the infrastructure of the network in Texas for power and water are not designed to handle this type of cold weather. Now that makes a lot of sense, right? We, we know this (laughs) Texas does not get sub freezing very often. Maybe portions of places like the Panhandle and northern parts like Dallas and Fort Worth. Yes, they get snow every year. Yes, they get freezing rain. 
Okay, but that's just a very small sliver of the state of Texas. So when your infrastructure is not designed to handle the load when it comes to this, things are going to happen. Now, I have always been, you know, I'm, I'm a Northwest guy, born and bred. I'm very familiar with how, you know, electrical circuits and grids work. It's something I've always been fascinated with science and, you know, working in news. You hear about power outages and, you know, able to buy power from other places. You know, when you live in the Northwest, you got a bunch of hydroelectric dams and, you know, we send a lot of our power to California. We send a lot of our power to Nevada and Colorado and Washington and Montana and Idaho and Oregon and all across the United States. So when I'm hearing Texas is having all these power outages and they don't have enough, you know, power on the grid to provide, I'm like, well, why didn't they just buy more power? Because my naive mind says, well, you know, I know that when we've had issues in Oregon, we buy power from California or when California was having issues, they buy power from us. Well, Bonnie, come to find out the state of California or the state of uh, Texas has decided that they don't want to play fair and they don't want to be part of the national power system they have their own which yep. means their power lines don't cross state borders yep. so they don't and, have the, and the main reason is they don't want any federal regulations exactly. or the government telling them what to do exactly now listen we could go off on a tangent on government overreach all day long but we're not going to because that doesn't have much to to do with this but the state of Texas and their power regulators are right. They're not on the national grid. They can't buy power from other power companies or other power entities. So what they get is what they generate. And what they generate was not enough. And you had rolling brownouts. You had blackouts. And then you had the absolute worst. And that is a complete shutdown of your system. And yeah. let me tell you this. When your power system goes down, everything else follows it. Communications, infrastructure, life. It's it's terrible because it wasn't like an isolated area, like a community that got hit by a tornado. And so they don't have power because just that community. It was almost completely statewide that was devastated by how cold it was. So almost everybody in the state had cranked up their heat and whatever else, and they were all stuck inside because it was cold and snowy, so everyone was using power for TVs and whatever else, appliances, blah, 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 and it was just the system was stretched so, so thin because everybody was trying to use a more amount of power than normal, and the system just could not do it. I just, all the stories and pictures that I saw from Texas just, I mean, still brings, like, tears to my eyes now. Like, it, I couldn't even imagine being in Texas and dealing with that. And I don't even, I just don't even have words, honestly. No. And, I, and I'm right there with you again, when I, you know, dug through, you know, and I talked to our friend and, you know, he sent me some really good links, um, including this great article on the wall street journal about, you know, the reasons why Texas did this and why this had, you know, this was the perfect storm. And trust me, I hate using that phrase. Yeah. Because there is no such thing as the perfect storm because you can always say, well, I wanted lower pressure. I wanted five more mile an hour wind. I wanted six more feet of snow. I wanted two inches more of rain. And I mean, it, there's just no such thing. But this was the perfect storm. It was what it took to take down the system. And because you are isolated, it's not like they could just have gone out and generated more power. And this had nothing to do with windmills or solar panels or 
you know, fossil fuels, every narrative that we threw out there because that's what we were trying to make sense of the story was not correct anyways. It boils down exactly. to one issue and one issue only. They were not prepared. The infrastructure was not good. Okay. Will they have to change it? Yes. And, you know, obviously the people of Texas will demand this because, again, it could be a once in a 10-year storm. It could be a now a more frequent occurrence. It could be something we don't see now for 50 years. But let's be prepared and let's have the ability to, you know, one, generate enough power to power all of our homes, hospitals, water stations, uh, police stations, fire stations, you name it, things need to happen. Or you will start to see what people have already done and start to go out and get their own home generators, which, again, I think is a fantastic thing to have because you want to be self-sufficient. I think that's just great. That's not making me want to be a prepper or anything like that. It's just wanting to be prepared. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes to buying your own generators and stuff, you know, do your research, make sure it's stored properly, understand that gasoline cannot just store and sit for months and months because it goes bad, becomes unstable. Like be sure that you do your research on that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, at this point, that's what Texans are having to do is like take care of themselves because their own dang government's not doing it. And, And the thing is, let's say that the power grid was not the issue and they were all part of the country's grid. The States around them were all experiencing the same issues because of the cold. So even if, this was not the main issue. It still could have been devastating for everybody because people didn't have extra power to spare because we were all dealing with the same thing. So again, like you said, perfect storm, crappy phrase, but kind of true. Like that's what happened. It is true. And you know, had Texas been connected to the grid, you're right. Other States around you had rolling blackouts in Oklahoma city. We'll get to that in a minute, but you had other States, New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri. I mean, let's everywhere. Again, we retweeted the map on our Twitter page at Weather Podcast. Of the lower 48 states, 46 of them had current snowfall still evident from one of three storms. Yep. 46 states of the lower 48. The only ones weren't were Florida and South Carolina. Everybody else had at least some snow on the ground somewhere in the state. I think Georgia might not have had any except maybe in the far like northwest corner, but I think Georgia might have been in the clear, but I mean they had their own issues like with tornadoes sure, and stuff, but sure. you know, I it, it was a very crazy storm that really affected the whole country and I just really hope that people open their eyes and see the issue and it's I don't know. I feel like not to get on a political tangent, but no, I just let's, feel like let's, that's let's kind just, of the root let, of this whole thing from sure, the beginning. Sure. And, and I know that's sad. It It is. And I asked and, you know, it's funny is I the message I sent, I'll pull it up on my phone real quick because I wanted to go through. And when I, you know, reached out to our emergency manager friend, I just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick your brain and I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And I asked him point blank. I said, obviously, politics are quickly becoming an issue because why not let a disaster go to waste, which is another thing for another day. Politicians love disasters, and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. They love them. I said, with that said, is there any real blame to be placed on anyone or was this a system failure that couldn't handle it? And he says, there's so much nuance to that. I mean, in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. So, yes, there could be some blame to go around, but. It's hard to blame somebody that's in office that didn't design a system that's flawed. 
And that's what this is. It is a flawed system. But with that said, we would hope that they have the wherewithal to correct those issues had they known that there would have been a problem. Did we know there was going to be a problem? Probably not. But with that said, you know, we would hope that engineers and designers would have realized that at some point there could be a fault somewhere in the system. And we should probably take care of that. I mean, it's always be prepared, even if it's something that you don't think is likely to happen or is something that's only going to happen once in a blue moon, like this kind of cold snap and this setup is not going to be a regular occurrence. I'm sure it will happen again at some point. Right. But even though it's rare and not frequent, doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared because people died because of this. People froze to death. People were dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, people didn't have food, running water. There's fires in Texas that can't be put out because right. there's not water or enough water pressure. I mean, an apartment complex burned down in San Antonio, and it was so bad, and they couldn't control it. The cars in the parking lot were catching on fire. Yep, exactly. One, 100%. You are completely correct. And, you know, we generally stay away from politics on this show, but let's let's talk about it because, you know, the lack of leadership in from some people and not all people, because there have been some very, very positive things that have come out of this. There's been a lot of money raised for the state of Texas, which is fantastic. I, I personally believe that I'd rather have personal donations than political, you know, taxings or that type of thing to help in disaster management. But with that said, there have been some really good things that have happened, but there have also been some really bad things that have been brought to light if you're a leader don't bail on your state don't go on vacation okay you know let's just let's just throw it out there listen i get it you're you're a u.s senator okay you have the means to do things that other people don't but at a time of crisis act like a leader yeah don't bail yeah don't go on vacation you can go on vacation when you get power back to your constituents And then you know what? Then you won't face a political backlash. Okay. And, you know, let's just for, you know, let's dive a little deeper into that. We're all talking, first of all, about Ted Cruz, scum of the earth. He has a problem with immigration and people crossing the border. And I just want to point out the hypocrisy and irony that he crossed the border into Mexico to get to a better environment. Yeah. I just yep. have no words for this whole situation. And the mayor, whatever his, not, his name was, something Boyd, that guy can also rot because he really just basically said the strong will survive. And yep. he doesn't believe in handouts to the people of Texas and blah, blah, blah. And I just – I don't know if you saw all that in his Facebook post and he resigned. But it was a long, long Facebook post about how – People need to get creative. People need to get innovative, you know, do what you need to do to survive and that he doesn't believe in handouts and blah, blah, blah. After all these people haven't had power for days, that's what he posts and says the strong will survive. Quote, the strong will survive. (laughs) Like get creative and do what? Make our own electricity, make our own water out of thin air. Like, it's not a handout. These people pay their water and electric bill and their gas bill every month. That's not a handout. That's expecting the service they pay for every month to continue working, especially in a dire situation like that. You are 100% correct. You give money that you earn through your hard work to your government 
And again, it is your government, folks. This is not just mine or your, or, you know, this is not just mine or somebody else's. This is yours. You provide the funds needed to run essential services. So if I'm paying for water and gas and electric, I damn well expect them to work. Yep. And no, it's not a handout. Now, listen, not a handout. There are handouts that are given, and that's fine. If you want to complain about a tax relief or you want to talk about a stimulus package, that's fine. That is your right as a politician. With that said, power, water, safety, that is not something that we mess with. We pay for that. We expect it to work. We expect it to be there for us. Yeah, and handout was the completely wrong way to classify that and discuss it. And I'm glad that that mayor resigned. And I don't know, there's just there was some good politicians in the state of Texas and outside the state of Texas who really did everything that they could. And then there was just some really, really, really garbage people. And I just I really feel bad for Texas and it really breaks my heart. And I hope I hope it's a wake up call for people. And I don't mean like as far as voting red or blue or whatever. I just mean, I hope that they just understand that it's, you know, a little bit of government help is okay. Yes, exactly. The government guys, there's a reason why there's a reason why the government exists. It is to provide essential services. And that's at the crux of it at the very bare minimum. That's what the government is there for. Okay. is to provide essential services. Water. Yep. The president called the governor of Texas, not the other way around. And the president signed a declaration of a state of emergency for Oklahoma, Texas, and some other states without blinking an eye, despite the fact that they were red states. Of Unlike course. the president before him, who didn't want to give any but thing to anybody that didn't support him. So I'm just, I just hope that people are just seeing the differences. And I just hope that people are just seeing the differences. That's all I'm going to say. Which is fine. And that is that, you know, I again, I know again, I'm with that said, you are right on many, many levels. You're right on many, many levels. Disaster declarations don't have anything to do with red or blue states. I know that previous administrations might have said stuff, but they still sign things. With that said, you're correct. The government needs to be there to provide essential services. Okay. It's for everyone. For everyone. And that's exactly what it's designed to do at the bare minimum. Everything else is ancillary and child's play and people trying to score political points. And that's their thing. Fine. But you can do that all day long as long as you provide me my water, my power, and, you know, the other essential the services. Basics. I need. It's just the basics. Sure. You know, like it's. And I just, it's not too much for the people of Texas or the people of this country to ask for. And so I just hope that this sparks a little bit of change of hearts and opens people's minds and opens people's eyes. And I just hope that things get corrected so that this kind of disaster doesn't happen again, because it's far from over. And I don't know who has seen videos and pictures coming out of Texas, but people's homes are flooded. Apartment buildings are flooded because just pipes bursting in the walls and i mean there's this is they've all been saying that this is their katrina basically is it so devastating no which makes a lot of sense it is devastating now i will say this i also know that the people of texas are very proud and you know this as you live very close to them that they will sit there and they will sit there and they will scream until they're right in the face we're gonna be okay because we are texas that is true 
That is true. And they're resilient for sure. I mean, they've been hit by multiple hurricanes, which speaking of that, there's still recovery going on from Harvey. So to add this on top of it, um, also Hurricane Laura in Louisiana, they're still recovering from that and had to deal with ice storms and stuff like that. So sorry, that was just a side note, but you're right. Texans are very strong and very proud and they're going to be okay, but you just shouldn't have to worry about this kind of stuff in your own state and really in this country, you know what I mean? Like that's the point of this country is, Hey, we're safe and we're going to be taken care of. And to be abandoned by a few of your leaders of your state, it's just very heartbreaking and and sickening. It's, it's, it's very scummy. It feels very, Mm -hmm. it feels very much like I need to go take a shower after watching clips of police officers, watching Ted Cruz, you know, coming back to Texas. Which he only did because of the flack that he got on social media. Of course. Of course. And again, I have no beef with politicians taking vacations. Okay? I get that. I totally get that. I live in a state where, you know, my governor is constantly under fire. Rightfully so. She's made some very questionable decisions. She's also done some very questionable things at times where we've needed her leadership. And she's like, nah, I'm going to go on vacation. Same with our governor. Sure. But again, okay, you know. No excuses for their for their actions. Absolutely. Right. If you want to lead, lead. If you don't want to lead, don't lead. But don't bail on people when they need you. And it might have been different if he was already there. Right. When this started. But this had already started and gotten terrible and bad and power had been out and water had been out for a while. And then he left after it was already obvious what was going on. So. It'd be one thing if he had already had a plan and already been there, and then this all went down. He was like, oh, my gosh, my state is, like, crumbling. I need to run back. It was like, oh, no. Right. Uh, Texas is frozen solid. I'm leaving. Like, no. Right. And again, you know, what could he have done that would have changed anything? Probably nothing. But with that said, and I hate this about politics because it's the one thing that drives me nuts. There's a lot of politics that are run off of optics. How does it look? Yeah. Okay. Well, I can tell you how this looks, and it ain't good. Yeah, and that's true. It's true because perception is everything. You know, like we always talk about first impressions in an interview or on a first date or whatever. It's the same. Like the way you're perceived really gives people an idea of who you are, whether that it's mis- a misperception or not. But this was pretty blatant, but it it's true. Optics is kind of frustrating, but it's it's – the way things are. It is very true. And he's been in politics for 800 years. He should know that. Right? Exactly. I mean, that goes, uh, that statement right there, Bonnie, goes for so many, so many of our current politicians that yes. have been there forever and they just they just seem to completely have no clue. And it, yep. that does drive me nuts. But, you know, the people of Texas will rebound. Um, you know, there are some, you know, there will be lots of good things that come from this, right? We will know that they will have to redo their infrastructure, which is good. They will have to that it's something that's gonna have to happen because if they don't, then you're gonna lose people tax dollars, you're gonna have people move out of state, you're gonna be facing a lot of things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily foresee happening. So good things will come from this. Good things always come from disasters one way or the other. We just wish that they wouldn't have happened had to have happened to do this. So you know, we hope that power is restored quickly to Texas. We hope that water systems are up and running. I heard of the 7,000 water systems um, 
that exist in the state of Texas, 6,000 are running fine, but 1,000 of them aren't. That's a lot wow, of people. that's a lot. That is. That affects somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 plus million people. Jeez. And you know, you don't really realize how much you need water until you don't have it. Right. And and it's it's tough, you know, and there's not unlimited amounts of bottled water out there. And think about it, even if you go get a bottle of water, every time you use the bathroom, you have to use a bottle of water. Yep. One. to handle your business. So that's one less bottle to drink. So it's really a bad deal. And, you know, the other thing I'm thinking about is everyone's electric bill over the next few months. And and I just can't even imagine how outrageous those are going to be. And I really hope something's done as far as relief or payment plans or just straight up forgiveness and, you know, not making the people of Texas pay high, crazy bills. I don't know. I really hope that that happens, but I'm really worried that that's not what they're going to do. I, I am sure that, and again, this is an epi- economics thing. It's always been this way. There will be some price increases. Um, there will be some federal funding that will go in to help beef up the infrastructure because, again, that is part of the government's job. Now, with that said, I also know that power companies like to push a lot of that stuff to consumers because that's how it is. Let's look back at what PG&E in the state of California did following devastating wildfires. They jacked up the rates and that's not cool, but that's what they did as a, as you know, I don't want to say necessarily a monopoly, but that's kind of what it is. These are, you know, you have very few utilities that control a lot of the power across many states and jurisdictions. So, you know, if a disaster hits one area and there's one utility, well, you know, they're going to get some financial subsistence from the government, but you're also going to have to pay for a lot of that somehow other ways. And basic economic state, you're going to put it on the people that pay your bills. So, And I definitely get like rates going up a little bit. I just really hope it's not like insane and crazy. And, you know, like we were talking before we taped, there's a town called Denton in yep. Texas. It's a little bit south of the Red River. And this is a story I read. So I, it could be wrong or it could be different by now. But what it said was there's 145,000 people who live there and that they use like 10,000% more power than normal. And that collectively that city owes the power company $207 million for this power over the last like four or five days. That is a crazy amount of money, and I could be misunderstanding the story. I'll just say that right now, but I mean, if that's what they're going to have to divvy up between 145,000 people, that's going to be really crazy, and I don't know how people are going to pay that, and so I just hope there's some kind of relief that goes into that for the whole state because that's probably going to be a common thing across you know, all cities and communities. Right. So I mean, just doing the math, breaking out. So you said two hundred thirty-seven million, right? Two hundred seven million. Oh, so okay, so two hundred seven million, and one hundred fifty thousand residents. One hundred forty-five. But I mean, you could round it up. Okay, whatever. so yeah, so on average, that's a increase. If it were to go just to the people in the area, that's an electric bill of one thousand four hundred twenty-seven dollars per person. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine an electric bill that was? a few hundred dollars more than your mortgage on your house. Like right. that's, I mean, right. And then there's some people living in apartments and things like that to pay that. Like, uh, you know, not to be too personal on my finances, but I live in a house and typically my electric bill, especially from 
fall to the beginning of summer and the summer goes up a little bit but for most of the year it's in the $50 to maybe $60 range right because I just it you know it's I just don't use a lot of electricity so I could not imagine if my normal bill being 50 or 60 bucks a month magically went to 1000 one month well and let's do this because you know most I will say this hopefully your local provider will work with you on payment plans right yeah. Okay. So say that, you know, they're not going to expect the $1,400 off the top, right? Because we know a lot of people won't be able to pay that. So let's just say, let's give people a year to pay it off. Okay. That comes down to an additional $118 a month. Which is still a lot. Which is still a it's lot. It's more Absolutely. doable, but that's still a huge increase from a normal bill. 100%. So, you know, again, and that's not that's not even including the power that, you know, you normally would be charged for usage rates. So, again, a lot of stuff has to happen over the next, you know, three, six, 12 months to get back to normal. And hopefully they will have to pay that off. And obviously, you know, I'm sure there will be some, again, government help to meet the cost of that power because, you know, the power companies exist to provide power, but also to make money. So. You know, again, I hope that there are some changes on a federal regulation that, you know, states like Texas do have to be part of a grid. But it also brings up another point that we won't necessarily get into, except for me mentioning this here. The infrastructure needs to be updated. And I'm not just talking about Texas. I'm talking about across the entire country, not just the power grid, not just roads, not just airports, not just bridges, all of it. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully. Either this administration, the last one tried to do some stuff and it got railroaded, no pun intended, in Congress. Again, politics, right? It's the optics of it. Nobody wants to spend $600 million to fix a road. That's not sexy. We can spend $600 million doing something else. Great, fine, whatever. Politics. These are the people that we elect. These are the consequences for voting these people in. With that said, there will come a time where something has to happen. And unfortunately, usually it results in some sort of disaster like this is what causes the change yep so we need we need to look at this and be like we need to fix stuff now because if we're prepared now we will be better off in the future where we won't have to do this where we won't have to choose between digging through a dumpster to get food that a grocery store has thrown out or being shot by the police who are guarding the dumpster yeah that was a stupid story too like i i just you know that's a whole other thing that we could get into but this country as a whole is more reactive than proactive and that has got to change because yeah it's a lot of money up front to change something but it's even more to recover and then change something after a disaster so i don't know i just i don't know what has to happen for this to be more the normal way of thinking but hopefully what's happened in texas like i said we'll just open everybody's eyes and be like whoa we need to start making some changes yes now before this happens again. Right. And again, there are steps that you can take as an individual that can speed up the process and not wait to rely on government. That also works too. Self-reliance and self-preservation goes a long, long way in ensuring that you and your family will be taken care of in addition to what the government does. And again, it's being it's about being prepared. Have a generator. Have access to you know, water have access to other things. And I'm not saying become a prepper, not become, you know, some build an underground bunker, although some of those look really cool, Um, you know, but just be prepared. It's not, 
It's not a hard thing to do. It takes yeah. 10 minutes. It takes 10 minutes. And yeah, you can spend a little money up front. And if you want to buy some food, great. If you want to buy water, great. I'll tell you this right now. I have three of those giant water jugs in my garage available and I refresh them every three months. And yeah, it's a little bit of extra cost in terms of the amount of water that I'm going to spend, you know, on that one day when I'm refilling those jugs. But I know that I have water to drink in the event something happens. Yeah. And that's what you need. And, you know, this kind of got me thinking. And I think that when I, whenever I do decide to get another house or move or whatever, I might get a house with a fireplace because... Yes. There were people who had fireplaces who were cutting up their furniture and their fences and burning it because they didn't have power for so long. Right. And again, but it's still the resource, right? You had the fireplace. Yes. Would it, You can replace your fence anytime. You can replace your furniture. You can't replace you. Right. So it's it's very smart. And again, it's one of those things that we might not necessarily think about when we're out buying a house. But, you know, you, obviously you guys in Oklahoma and in Texas, you want to find a spot that's going to have a storm shelter. Bonnie, you have a freaking storm shelter in your garage. Yeah. Why? Self-preservation. Yep. You're being prepared. That's, I mean, that's, that's one of the first things I put in as soon as I moved absolutely. in because I was like, that's what's prone to this area and this state is tornadoes and wind issues. So I want to have a place to go and that's got to be people's mindset. And even more so now because you can only rely on yourself, honestly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, listen, again, I am not for, you know, taking government out of anything. I want the government to provide the services that we pay them for and that we are expecting. But I also know that I can do steps on my own to also help further myself, my family and my friends. So, you know, again, take 10 minutes, come up with a disaster plan. If you are not sure how to do that, call your local Red Cross office. Call your local police station or fire station. I guarantee you within a minute they can get you in touch with somebody that will be able to help start you to build out a preparedness kit, right? Yeah, and you can Google it and Absolutely. YouTube it and Pinterest. There's a whole lot of resources out there to tell you what you need to have. And, and you know, I'll just tell you right now, I've got a fireproof box in my storm shelter is where I keep it. It's a locked fireproof box, but it has got, you know, all of the important documents that I have, house documents, license, copies of my license, birth certificate, that kind of thing. So if there's a fire or a wind problem, that box will be okay. It'll just get blown away. But, I, you know, that's the kind of stuff you want to do is prepare that way, too, with all those kind of things. I mean, there's resources online to tell you what you can do and checklists and things like that. Right. You know, somebody just came across Twitter right now as kind of a joke. Um, a guy that we follow, Matt Lanza on Twitter. He's the space weather nerd. He said the boil uh, water nose lifted for Houston. Time to celebrate. And this says, please celebrate responsibly. And it's a picture of a guy, you know, dousing his face in water. Not going to happen, but, you know, you know what you know what we're saying. So that's some good news now that we've had that, you know, at least they don't have to worry about boiling water. But, you know, it has been one week for the record books. Um you know, it started, gosh, even 10, 14 days ago in some places. But, Bonnie, the temperatures are rising. Texas will finally be warming up. You guys are finally warming up. Um, you know, this episode's over. But, man, a lot of lessons to look at, a lot of lessons to learn, and a lot of things that need to change. 
Yes, definitely. And and I remember when we were talking two weeks ago about the cold coming and the possible snow and before anything really started. And we were both like kind of pumped about like record cold, like this will be an interesting thing to experience. Never did I think that this would be the cause. And I also want to point out that the snow was not the problem. Right. In any of this, really. Like, I mean, there there were some wrecks and things around, but I didn't really hear about a whole lot of wrecks. I think people were staying home. But it was the cold temperatures by themselves that were the main issue. And I just did not think that this would happen when we were talking about it two weeks ago. I just didn't, I just, it's really mind blowing how crazy and how terrible it got just for the cold temperatures themselves. Right. And again, I'm sure our friends up in, you know, North Dakota are laughing at us like, Hey, this ain't nothing. I hope they understand that. Oh yeah. They're used to it. And that's why it's nothing to them, but we do not get this way for this prolonged amount of time. We've definitely had cold days and we've had below freezing below zero days before and but it's been a one or two day thing not always accompanied with precipitation and then we're back to normal but this stretched all the way down to the mexico border which is and probably into mexico a little bit but oh yeah we saw texas was in a winter storm warning multiple times the entire state so this is just not like we said this is a crazy you know once in a decade type of event and it really crippled the state it really crippled the state. And I'm really sorry for anybody who lost anybody. And I'm just sorry that Texas had to go through this. Right. Um, just seen an article come across Twitter from the hill.com. Um, Republican representative Michael McCall from Texas did say uh, he thanked President Biden for providing an emergency declaration for the state, pointed that the declaration uh, when asked um, about Texas facing massive utility bills will provide some assistance to uh, the citizens of Texas. So part of the emergency oh, declaration from uh, Texas will include uh, money to pay for bills. So that's good. Oh, that's, that's so good. That, that makes me feel a little bit better for them Same here. because that, that would have been even, that would just been salt in the wound, you know, 100%, 100%. Well, again, like we said, it's a historic week, week, so much things to go back and look at um, case studies. I'm sure I've already started to, you know, be formulated to, look what really did happen and they'll get down to, you know, the bare bones of it. But Bonnie, what do you guys have coming up in Oklahoma city weather wise? Cause I'm sure it's not more cold and snow. No, we are, we're warming up. We've already been warming up. Um, yesterday the high was like 43 or 44 today is the same. And we're just going to steadily go up a little bit. Um, eventually getting to highs in the sixties this week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. And like we were saying, the snow is basically gone. Like last night when I went to bed, when I got home in the morning at 2 a.m., won't get into it, there was snow on the ground. And when I woke up this morning, there was less snow on the ground. So just even overnight temperatures have been well above, above freezing to keep snow melting. So it's, you know, we've all got whiplash over here from negative 14 degrees to 44 degrees. We just right. can't keep up with these temperature snaps. <laughs> right. Well, if you go from minus 14 to 60 some odd degrees, that's an 80 degree swing. Yeah, in a matter of, you know, a week. Right. If that. So, yeah, it's it, that Oklahoma. That's right. why I like Oklahoma because we <laughs> are all over the place on a regular. But um, we touched on it a little bit ago that possibly in another week or 10 days that there might be more cold coming. Right. I don't know if it'll be as bad as this last week, but I did see that 
as well, that we might be getting more cold coming back down here. Right. You will not find a single person on weather Twitter or any weather person at all that has not looked at a long range map and saw that and not said anything, but have actually like not publicly said anything like, you know, that you like you see that and you just keep it in the back of your mind like, hmm. I'm yeah, not gonna, I'm it's like, not, do I really want to open this can exactly. of worms right like, now? Is like, it too soon? <laughs> yep, I'm just not going to talk about it. Like, I see you. I see you, 10-day GFS. I see what you're trying to do. But I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait three days. And if you're still there at day seven, maybe I'll I'll consider it. But It's uh, like that Kermit the Frog meme, you know, yes. sipping his tea. And he's like, yes. uh, that's none of my business. Like, that's just <laughs> how everybody's <laughs> treating it right now. Oh, so and, you know, true. I don't want to bring up what the outlook was for February. And everybody has posted that. And the outlook said above average temperatures for most of February. And, wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Wow. I mean, Mother Nature said, hold my beer. You know, right? like it was complete opposite it wasn't even slightly off it was like complete that's i mean that happens i totally understand outlooks not panning out but that's just so crazy for it to be uh, it's probably going to be above average temperatures and it's like psych super mega below average temperatures is what it's going to be no it's true i mean it's a it is december 83rd so 2020 (laughs) it really is it really is it's just one hit after another it is it is um but you know, it just, it's one of those things we're resilient, right? We will get through it out here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, no cold and snow at the moment. Temperatures are going to be, like I said, approaching 50, which will feel amazing. It will still be cold and, and wet and windy, but I will take 50 and be happy with it and move on from there. But, uh, temperatures will slowly cool off a little bit. We're just going to drop down into the upper forties for highs, lows somewhere in the mid you know, mid thirties around there. No real issues of ice or snow for the time being. But like I said, I see you 10 day GFS. So we'll wait. <laughs> we yeah. will wait. We're not going to get excited or talk about it. Cause we don't really, we'll just, like you said, we'll just wait. <laughs> we will just wait. And again, February, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, you get some snow occasionally, but that sun angle, man, she's a, she's a good thing. She's warm and heats the roads up and I don't mind. I actually wouldn't mind like a good, like really nice snowstorm. But with that said, like snow from like 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And then the roads will like, you know, be a little bit warm enough that they'll be able to be driven on and we'll be good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like just pretty snow that doesn't cause a mess, you know, like, like we were talking about, that's the stage we're in now is like, my car is disgusting. There's so much brown snow everywhere, you know, because of oh, yeah. the snow plowing. So all these hit little hills of snow everywhere are just brown and gross. And the ground is all muddy now. And we have that really beautiful red dirt. So it's just, this is the icky part of the snow. <laughs> very, very, very valid point. Well, Bonnie, I hope when we, you know, reconnect again on Sunday next week that one, we're either talking about another impending snow event or we're looking forward to spring being right around the corner. Yes. I mean, either one of those I'll be okay with. Maybe just not this extreme of a winter situation. <laughs> also, next week when we talk, Clyde will have gotten his hair cut. And he will look like a dog again instead of a sheep. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Although I do like sheep-looking Clyde. He is quite attractive. His long hair, I don't know why, but it gets curly. Ooh. It's weird. <laughs> Ladies do love Plus the curls, just saying. As a guy yeah. with curly hair, I can attest to that. See, there you go. You know from experience. I do. I do. Well, another fantastic of B squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. 
And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.